Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. Thanks for being with us. Like Jeff, I am also a certified financial planner professional. This show is all about helping you discover what matters most and helping you get your actions and resources in alignment with your goals. We combine excellence and wealth management with the pursuit of meaning and purpose in your life. Jeff Bernier is the founder, president, and chief investment officer of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, a wealth management firm in Alpharetta, Georgia, a suburb in the greater Atlanta area. Great to be with you again, Jeff. As always, how are things? We are really good, Mike. Uh, hope you and, and your team are, are doing well. That's right. You know, it's tax season, so we're uh, we're hanging in here, but, but a lot <laughs> yeah. of fun. So. Yeah, rest up. And speaking of taxes, we've got some changes we're talking about today. So this show is all about helping people plan wisely to create the freedom and capacity to live a great life, a life of meaning, right? And I know today's topic right. will be important as a lot of people are... Uh, that are listening are retired. So today, we're going to be discussing a topic that really everyone with an IRA should be aware of, and that's the SECURE Act. That's right. That is right. So, you know, sleeping tax legislation, you know, typically happens about once every decade or so. But in the final weeks of 2019, um, we got the second major piece of tax uh, legislation in the last 24 months. And, you know, the SECURE Act was passed in the House back in the summer and it's kind of, it's sent dormant in the Senate for some time, but, uh, but it was slipped through at the end of the year with the, you know, budget reconciliation legislation and hit the president's desk and he signed it. And it has major repercussions for how clients deal with retirement accounts for many, many years to come. So important to talk about this. Yep. And lots of details. I know you wrote a blog, a blog piece about some of this back in late December. Right. What, in your opinion, what are the most important parts of this legislation that's really relevant to our audience? Well, when, when we think about, again, creating income um, that we cannot live and we think about um, the audiences that we serve, we have a lot of people that have significant assets accumulated in retirement accounts and IRAs. And so there's a number of very important provisions in the act, but I think the most important will be related to the IRA. So we'll probably spend most of our time today just talking about the ones related to the, to the IRA. And the most significant one is the, you know, is the depth, the stretch. Um, so one of the most important provisions is the elimination of the stretch provisions, uh, so under previous law, um, non-spousal beneficiaries, so a beneficiary that was not your spouse, could stretch the distribution from an IRA um, over their life expectancy. Mm-hmm. So for a child, an adult child, or whoever that inherits an IRA from a parent, they could stretch the distribution over their life expectancy, over the uh, beneficiary's life expectancy. Mm-hmm. And so now for most beneficiaries that no longer exist. We have now a new, basically a 10 year rule. So for most beneficiaries who inherit 
an IRA starting January 1 of this year and going forward, this new 10-year rule is in effect. And essentially, the entire inherited retirement account must be emptied by the end of the 10th year following the year of inheritance. And so it's similar to the five-year rule when you have a non-natural person as a beneficiary. Um, you've got to withdraw all the funds and pay tax on it by the end of the 10th year. Um, now, unlike the RMD rules, there is no requirement that you take any money out during those nine years. Right. But um, but it has big implications for non-spousal beneficiaries in particular. And when they re- inherit these IRAs, um, you don't you can't stretch them over 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Potentially, you've got to distribute them within 10 years. And without proper planning, it could have you know, it could have a big impact. Yeah, when you're stretching, when you have the ability to stretch the withdrawals out over your lifetime, then obviously you can much easier manage the tax consequences. But now over That's 10 correct. years, you've just got to be very careful with your tax planning, which again uh, is is why you've got to be working with a wealth manager, a wealth manager, financial planner. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So the interesting thing about this is, I know the the whole Secure Act, the legislation was designed to help retirees. Be more secure. You know, it even says the acronym, <laughs> Secure Act is an acronym right. about setting right. people up for a retirement enhancement. This yeah. one doesn't really sound like a good deal to me, though. Well, I don't think it is. I mean, while there are a few benefits that we can discuss in a, in a few minutes, losing the ability to stretch these distributions for non-spouse beneficiaries seems like a, a pretty steep cost for those for those minor benefits. So, so there are some beneficiaries who can still stretch. Is that that is, is that correct? Right? That is correct. So, for most non-spousal beneficiaries, you'll be subject to this 10-year rule, but there are five uh, categories that will not be, as I just mentioned, spouses. So if you inherit an IRA from your spouse, you still have the ability to stretch it over your life expectancy. Uh, Disabled beneficiaries can stretch. Uh, Chronically ill beneficiaries uh, can stretch. Uh, Individuals who are not more than 10 years younger than the decedent can still do it based on their life expectancy. And then finally, certain minor children. Um, so the stretch is not technically dead. It is available to this, this these subsets, but for most non-spousal beneficiaries, it's this, it's this 10-year rule. As it relates to minor children, um, you still will be subject to the 10-year rule, but the 10 years begins when you become an adult. That's right. So, so you're still going to have the ten year rule, but it's delayed until you become you become an adult, and and, and not yeah. an emotional adult. They, they define that as the <laughs> age of majority. So, yeah. so you parents yeah. out there listening, there's not sub, there's not subjectivity in that. That's right. So. That's exactly right. All right. So this this will, as I kind of already mentioned, as you I know are already doing, Jeff. This requires a lot of new planning, right? That, well, I think so. So you know, for the typical clients of your firm or ours. You know, we were we were already taking advantage of, of the stretch provisions in the in the in the law for our for our clients who are beneficiaries of IRAs. Um, uh, but unfortunately, according to the statistics, most people weren't stretching anyway. Right. I mean, this is sort of a sad commentary. And so I guess maybe um, the powers that be in Congress said, well, most people aren't stretching anyway. So it's not a big it's not a big cost, but it is a cost for people to plan. Yep. Um, but I believe most retirees should really uh, examine their beneficiary designations and understand how this might affect their heirs. 
Um, if the goal is to preserve wealth over multiple generations, uh, it'd be certainly important to discuss this and, and take a look at the circumstances of the next generation and get them and get them prepared. Um, you know, there'll be cases where you'll want to accelerate the income over the 10 years early uh, to get it into low tax years. There may be circumstances where you delay it every every dime of it and take it all in the 10th year, 10th year. Um, so it's really a case by case basis, but it does require planning for those that name a trust today as a beneficiary. They certainly need to take a look at the provisions of the trust because many trusts are worded where the only distribution required is the RMD, mm-hmm. the required minimum distribution. Well, under the new law, there is no RMD for nine years. So this trust that was distributing income every year um, without some change in language, there may be no distribution for nine year, nine years, which was probably not the intention of the trust to begin with. So the point of this is you've really got to examine uh, your beneficiary designations, examine the provisions of your trust, um, and think in terms of multiple generational uh, planning. That's exactly the last comment that I was going to make is is now it just, you know, for lots of folks that are listening, you're already thinking multi-generational. But with right. these new laws, especially this one, um, that you just need to have that in consideration when you're making your financial decisions. That's right. Okay. So That's for right. most of us, we, we've lost the ability to stretch with the SECURE Act. What do we get in return? Anything? Anything well, good? We, we, well, we got a few things. Uh, the first one is not, is not huge, uh, but it's helpful. So anyone who doesn't want to take distributions from their IRA, then uh, uh, this is for the IRA owner, not the beneficiary, the required minimum distribution rules. Currently, you've got to start taking distributions uh, at age 70 and a half. Under the new rules, you've got until age 70, I'm sorry, 72. So it went from 70 and a half to 72. Now that doesn't sound like a very big change and it's it's not, but it does simplify planning a bit. Um, People are always confused on, I turned 70 and a half, you know, so it may not, you know, so now the math is at least easier. Right. We know when you're 72, you know, when you're 70 and a half, we have to go to the calendar and and look, it looks six months hence. So that would be, so that's a benefit. Um, Just like the present rule, your first distribution can be delayed until um, by April 1st of the year following the year that you turned 72. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, just like it is today un- under under the current rules at 70 and a half. So if you turn 72 this year, if you turn 72 today, you've got until April 1st of 2021 to get out your first distribution. Uh, now, if you do that, however, you do have to take out another distribution next year um, for the 2021 distribution. But so it delayed it, it, delayed it. And um, I, I think the reason that this can be this can be helpful is um, is between the time you retire uh, and the time you start taking required minimum distributions, you can do a lot of planning. Um, you know, it's it's really good. It's really good time for tax planning. And, and not to mention, even though it, it is just essentially a year and a half change, and for those of you who aren't who aren't drawing money out of your IRA just yet, I mean, that can be thousands of dollars in tax savings just in delaying one year, right? That's right. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I guess the, the main point here in terms of this, you know, this gap from retirement 
um, you know, 60, 62, 65 to 72. Now you've, you've got another year and a half where you can do Roth conversions at low tax brackets. You can do, um, you can do, um, sell securities at low tax brackets because you're not being hit with the large requirement distributions for another, you know, for another year and a half. Yeah. Now I, I'm sure Jeff, you like, like me, when, when this rule was coming out and then when it became law, we're very interested in the qualified charitable distribution and how that could be affected because you start, you start tinkering with the required minimum distribution age and some of these other provisions. And for, um, I know a lot of your clients are charitably inclined and the qualified charitable distribution rule we've talked about before. That's really important. Right. So how's, right. how's that been affected by this? Yeah, we, we have talked a lot about it. We talked about how in the new tax law for non-itemizers, how doing qualified charitable distributions from the IRA uh, is a way to, to, to still get some tax benefits from charitable gifts if you are required to take distributions. So if you're over, 70 and a half in the old rules and 72 today. So the way the Secure Act works is you can still do qualified charitable distributions at the old age at 70 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can divert up to a hundred thousand um, of your, of your um, IRA to charity uh, starting at 70 and a half. Um, and it's a top of the line deduction, right? It comes right off the first page of your tax return before you calculate your taxes on the next page. Uh, however, since the required minimum distribution is delayed until 72, um, you're not really offsetting the income like you were before. Mm-hmm. So it's still a good thing to do. You can still get um, divert some of your IRA to charity, but it's not offsetting income as it was before and as it still will if you do it after 72. Mm -hmm. So it's really unchanged. Um, You still do it. There's just not as much tax benefit from 70 and a half to 72. Now at 72 forward, when you're taking these required minimum distributions, it's the same benefit it's always been. So it's it's relatively unchanged. Yeah. All right. Uh, Any other important provisions as it relates to the IRA within the SECURE Act? Yeah, um, you know, this might not be a big deal for a lot of people, but um, in, in some more good news for the SECURE Act, um, those, you know, age seven and a half um, and older now can contribute to traditional IRAs. Um, uh, traditional IRAs were one of the few retirement categories where you could no longer contribute uh, after you meet, uh, reached age seven and a half. So you can, if you still have the earned income requirement, but if you're earning income past age 70 and a half and forward, even even older, there's there's the limitation on your age has been eliminated in terms of your ability to contribute to to an IRA. And, and I think the reasoning behind this was, you know, we, we more people are working later and later. Yeah. You know, traditional retirement is appears to be changing. However, I just don't see this one benefiting a lot of folks. You, you could still you used to be able to do the Roth and so on. I don't see a, this benefiting many individuals, but at least, yeah. you know, they've, they have changed it, giving you the option. Yeah. At, le- at least it's normalized with other plans. I, I guess one of the things that I guess too, we should just point out is, um, our really, really sharp listeners are probably thinking, well, can I do a QCD and also do a contr- contribution to a traditional IRA right. if I'm still working? So I'll get a deduction on the one hand and I'll also do an I, but the answer is no. Right. So there is, there is some math that has to happen that uh, effectively eliminates your ability 
um, to get both of those benefits, a deduction from a traditional IRA investment, as well as a reduction in income on a QCD if you're over seven and a half. That's right. Um, so just be careful about that. All right. So I know the SECURE Act, by and large, was really about uh, about retirees, and we've been focusing on the changes that impact IRAs. But you want to touch on any of the other parts? I think the, the entire law was over 900 pages. Anything else yeah. you want to touch on here? <laughs> yeah, it's very simple, right? Well, I, I think the first one is, um, you know, a lot of people in our world are, are very concerned that the legislation was largely um, um, encouraged, I would say, by the insurance industry. I think you're right. Uh, um, and because the insurance industry gets some gets some benefits here, potentially. Um, and so there's two or three annuity provisions that have been put in the act. One is um, if a trustee of a retirement plan puts an annuity option in, there is some additional safe harbors for the trustee in terms of their responsibility if the annuity goes bad. Um, So it's encouraging, more encouraging to annuity products in retirement plans. And, you know, I guess we could debate on whether the insurance industry uh, treats that with the level of care that we, that we hope they will. Um, There's another issue with annuities that um, now, if you have an annuity option as, as one of your retirement income options, uh, you can still, the annuity option is portable. So if you get, if, if part of your plan was to give you, you're deferring some of your money in a retirement plan that gives you annuity income, uh, that is, that is portable. So you could roll over the balance, but still have the annuity piece, Mm -hmm. uh, without, um, having to, you know, to, to, to not be able to roll over the plan. Um, and then the third one is just, um, an illustration that the plan providers are providing to show people how much their lump sum would provide in a hypothetical annuity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's useful, by the way, because I think people, you know, they think that, you know, today they might think, you know, I've got a million dollars, I'm rich. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might look at it at age 60, that million dollars might provide about 35 or 40,000 in income. Right. And so having that is probably not necessarily a bad thing. Yep. Um, there's new provisions in terms of small employers that would like to put in a retirement plan. And I think this potentially is a really good benefit. Yep. Uh, a lot of small employers don't put in retirement plans because they do cost money and they are complex. Um, and there's a lot of testing that's involved. Um, but now um, associations or for-profit organizations can develop multiple employer plans. Um, and so in a, a small business owner could enroll in a multiple employer plan where you've got multiple companies in the same plan, which reduces the administrative cost. In the old days, if you had a multiple employer plan and one of the companies in the plan violated one of the testing rules, the entire plan was disqualified. So that's been eliminated. So it's a lot better for small companies. I think that's actually a good thing. Um, There's some additional provisions as well in terms of, um, you know, there's some credits for small business owners that put in plans and have things like automatic enrollment and and things like that. There's some new rules around 529 plans. Um, for instance, now you can take a distribution from a 529 plan, tax and penalty free to pay back uh, some of your student loans. Mm-hmm. So there were a few additional benefits, and I would just encourage the um, you know the audience to you know find a resource that has you know some of these other provisions that they apply to you, or certainly work with a certified financial planner who has some expertise in some of these and see what's applicable. Uh, absolutely. I, 
I don't know, and this might, might this might be a touch bold, but I I personally don't see how every retiree is not impacted by the Secure Act. Let me say that differently. The Secure Act is going to impact every retiree. I just with with. I, I, I might be I might be a, a touch bold there, but most for the most part, people have IRAs and other things, and so you just want to be aware of how this new law is going to impact your financial sure. plan, your financial future, but also what decisions you should be making today. So, any right. final comments Absolutely. on that, Jeff? No, I, I think that covers it pretty well. I know this is a topic that um, that can be a little bit dry and complex, but it is so important as we are. Uh, trying to help people create this um, freedom and capacity to go do what they want to do. We we certainly want to be good stewards of the capital. And a future show, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but we'll talk about uh, being good stewards of the capital and mm-hmm. and how we can save taxes, which frees up additional capital to give and save. That's right. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. We hope you found today's discussion helpful. And if you did... Be sure to check us out on iTunes, this podcast, and when you when you do, give us a rating. We appreciate that. Your feedback is, is much appreciated. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget, check out past episodes or, uh, or check out Jeff's blog at www.tandemgrowth.com forward slash perspectives. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or Mike or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at tandemgrowth.com, or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com. Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.